Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. What would God say if you listened to him for seven straight days, if you spent a week in silence? What would happen to your brain? (laughs) What would God say? You did it. I lived to tell about it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us. Yeah. What'd you do? Yeah. So every year the church actually mandates, it's pretty strong language, that a priest would go on a retreat every year, anywhere from four and a half days and then as long as you can. So I went on a seven and a half day retreat with the Benedictine monks in Latrobe, PA. And it's pretty much silence for the most part, except for meeting with a spiritual guide for an hour every day and then just scripture and silence. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously as a priest, I said mass every day, but uh, that was about it. Ended the week with a, a really thorough confession. And uh, it was externally, that's what it was. Um, monks walking down the hallways where I was, but I was living in silence, prayer every day, four holy hours a day with scripture. The rest of the time I went for walks, reflected, journaled, read, slept a lot, um, and then one hour a day, I'd meet with the spiritual guide or director, sharing with him everything that was going on in my times of prayer. And then he sifted through those with me and then gave me four more holy hours for the next day. And that was kind of externally the routine I was in for seven days. Hmm. So what was the mix? It sounds like it was a little bit of each. First, you let go of the world because sometimes people just think silent retreat. You just don't do anything. Like you just unplug, let go of everything, and then that probably has its own refreshment to it. But then you're also picking up things that you can't, don't usually have time for, like four holy hours in a, in a day, Yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So some of it's like getting rid of what your usual stuff and then picking up new stuff. Yeah. The uh, So uh, many of you know, I tell you all the time, I'm very weak. <laughs> so I actually had to get my cell phone to my spiritual director because I knew I would watch videos. I would do research. I'd answer emails. I, and I just like, I don't, that's not what this week is for. So I gave him my cell phone. So I had nothing, no way to respond or anything. And so of course that's a sacrifice. It's a little bit of a pinch as you do that. But really what the idea was, was to remove the distractions, any way I could avoid the embrace of Jesus. Right. So many of you have been around little kids. You want to give a little kid a hug because they're so cute. They're like, come here, I want to hug you. And they're like, you're not hugging me. And then they just kind of squirm out of your arms and run around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's us with the father. Like God, the father wants to just pour his tender love upon us. And we're like, oh, cat video on YouTube. And we're like, oh, another law and order SVU thing. Oh, handfuls of Twizzlers. Uh, that's me every night, yeah, by the way. Emails. Yeah. Or work emails or good things, right? Like, all right, I got to go to this number of the meeting. I got to call this person back. Yeah, and it's like, mow the lawn. yeah, like you had to mow the lawn or, you know, tell Kara how beautiful she is, which I'm sure you do countless times a day. Certainly. So, uh, but like, it's like, eventually it's like, well, God has to have alone time as well. And I, in order for him to really reveal who he is, who I am and the relationship he desires for us, I got to remove everything else. One spiritual writer put it this way. He says, silence always pre- precedes a kiss. That you can't kiss someone while they're talking, while they're active, while they're go, go, go in the driver's seat. There's a sense of that has to be surrendered if you're going to experience intimacy. 
And that was my seven days. There was the first days there was more of the turning back, turning back. And then eventually there was just the receiving. So when you stop talking, does God automatically start talking? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, first off, all of you can imagine me stopping talking. That's a miracle in oh, itself. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, he doesn't start talking immediately. But I'd also say it this way. When I stop talking, it doesn't mean I'm noticing him right away. A lot of times what happens is a few days in of not talking, I'm realizing, oh, that reoccurring thought or that haunting memory that never went away, that was actually a place he was trying to speak to me and I didn't realize it. So I just kept throwing it away, pushing it aside or my sins and brokenness. You know, I, at the end of the day, okay, I did this. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Not realizing that Jesus is like, I don't want you just to get rid of sins. Sometimes I want to talk to you about like, what are you looking for? Why that sin? What is going on in your heart behind that sin? So a lot of it too is it takes a while to recognize the way God communicates with me. I've been doing this for many years now, so it's a little bit easier than it once was, mm -hmm. but it still takes a gap of time. It's like when you go into a theater. If you ever gone to like Severance Hall for the Cleveland Orchestra or something like that, you get into the place, you're talking, everyone's talking, passing the, you know, fruit, the fruit, no one eats fruit. Uh, what am I saying? The uh, candy, the candy uh, back and forth. And there's a little talk, there's that, but eventually like, the lights lower, but music doesn't start immediately. Lights lower, everyone's quiet. And then about a few moments go by and then, you know, it, uh, the curtains come back and the music may begin. Those few moments can get a little awkward when you're around people you don't know and stuff. Same thing in prayer. It's like, uh, before everything starts getting revealed. So you've talking about retreat in a general sense mm -hmm. so far. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you about the specific blessings mm -hmm. and the specific things the Father said to you yeah. in this retreat. But first, I'll share that I also went on a silent retreat, as you know. I do know. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. And that was for five days out in the Trappist Monastery, also monks, uh, in Kentucky, uh, nice. where Thomas Merton was when he was around. So... That was a lot of the same thing. Yeah, I didn't do four uh, hours every day. I didn't have a spiritual director there that I met with. Um, but yeah, it was silence. I was doing some also also reflection on my past mm -hmm. and present and future. And I had writing exercises that helped me. So it wasn't just getting away from everything and all the busyness and all the things in my mind. There also was a sort of a structured agenda to help yeah. me take some steps forward and see how God responds to that. Yeah. And I think that that's important. Hopefully many of you will try to make a whole day of silence or some of like that. It's important that you have uh, a routine or a structure in place when you enter the silence, because it, it can get very disorienting. I'm bored. What am I supposed to do? But to know like, Oh, not every moment of 24 hours am I meant to be talking to God? Here's my time of talking to God. Next time I'm reading or going for a walk, just being quiet and gentle. Or for you, it was like, you know, I'm going to answer these questions in my writing exercise during this time period. And then I'll go pray, maybe go for the walk, yeah, just kind of rest. And so that, that back and forth, you don't have to stay rigidly to a routine, but just to have that can help just like kind of accompany you as you go into the silence and stillness, which is very different than our culture lives. So we need that help. All right. Specific fruit from this retreat. Yeah, I'd say the biggest uh, fruit from my retreat was uh, chapter Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter eighteen, verses one through four. Um, the disciples are arguing among themselves who's the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus 
brings a child and puts it in their midst and says, unless you turn and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom. Whoever becomes like a child, he will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And uh, as I learned on that retreat, that the Greek word for the child that he puts in their midst is about a uh, anywhere from like a one and a half to three-year-old. Hmm. So I used to admit, imagine it's like a well-behaved eight-year-old, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. It's like a toddler. It says, unless you return to become like this. Screaming, <laughs> running around, escaping. Yeah, like. Knocking stuff over. But free. Not hiding. Just, I'm hungry. I'm sad. I'm happy. I love you. I hate you. Like, they're just, their heart's just on their sleeves. They're not a business professional. They're not, um, they're not a well-refined adult who's polished and has all these things. No. She's like, that's the role model. And the reason being is that's just like Jesus. Jesus is forever the child of the Father. And we're baptized into Jesus to become like that. So one of the themes that I learned was you got to grow up. You, and growing up means growing down. Learning how to become small again. The places in my heart that are full of need. Also like the exciting dreams and the things that make me excited. Stoic adults don't get excited anymore. You know, they're just kind of like, well, I've worked and did a good job today. Like, oh, wonderful, great. But like someone who's still in touch with these places in their heart that are so small, they're beautiful to God. They have dreams and passions and excitements. They like things. They don't like other things. They're interested in the world. They're open. They're curious. That's a child. And Jesus says, that's what holiness is. That's what holiness looks like in you. And so that just happened for me day after day in my meditation, seeing my ministry here at St. Basil's, my own relationships, how I try to protect those parts with strength and knowledge and confidence, and how also uh, when I get in touch with those parts, the vulnerability it requires to live like that and how easily those parts can get hurt. But they're beautiful places. The other one combined with that is John chapter 7. Jesus says, he who believes in me they will be living waters poured forth from their, one translation is heart. Um, another translation is empty place. One translation is bowels. We don't do that one much. You don't want to meditate on that. But uh, <laughs> the, the real Greek word actually is from the womb. That the place inside of you that's empty, but meant for life and love, mm-hmm. but doesn't have it automatically, needs to receive it. It's from that empty place that living waters will pour forth. And how often that empty place has been hurt, disappointed, scared, and gets closed off. Jesus saying, no, 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 no. I want you to live with me and have that place be open. So really inviting me to vulnerability and trust uh, at this point in my life. Yeah. And challenging you to not be strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To like, be dependent. Yeah. Not, yeah to, not, to, not to be self-assured. Now, those other parts, knowledge, strength, all these different ways, they're meant to be at the service, not meant to get rid of them. They're meant to be at the service of the childness in me. All right. So it's not like, well, you don't have to be, don't ever have knowledge again. Well, that's ridiculous. It's, but the knowledge is at the service of vulnerability, of the kind of reckless love of a child, the joys, hopes, and dreams. All of that is driving the bus. My other gifts and talents are meant to serve that. Yeah. I think that when a lot of us might approach a spiritual thing, we may think that the goal is to make us better. <laughs> And we fill in all these synonyms for what better means. But you're saying that the Lord was saying to you, for you, better doesn't mean stronger or more competent, but really small, vulnerable, 
dependent to let God take over yeah. and, and minister out of all those places of weakness or. Yeah, no, that's a great way of saying it. Cause I would, I, one of the good things in the spiritual life, a good principle to live by is don't call bad what God calls good, namely your heart, <laughs> right? Like there's so many times I'm like, that's the problem. I want too much out of life or man, that's the problem. And it's like, no, no, no. God's calling that good. Like it got hurt. Someone didn't understand their miscommunication, whatever their sins, my sins, but the heart is so good. And, uh, yeah, to the word would be vulnerability, trust, the zeal of a child. Like I was thinking about like little eight year old boys that I know who like put a mask on and get like a sword and like, I want to beat up all the bad guys. And like, mm -hmm. that actually is still alive in Padre Pio, in John Paul II, Mother Teresa, that child, like, they just have come to understand who and what is the bad guys and how do you actually fight. But that childlike zeal is a beautiful thing. So both of us were able to get out for a week and do a retreat. Uh, a lot of folks can't do that. Hmm. So... What could they possibly do? What does the church have laid out for us? Yeah. So this is probably the most exciting thing is Lent. Another name for Lent every year is the church's annual retreat. So all of us are going to be going on a retreat at St. Basil's and the whole universal church beginning on Ash Wednesday. And it ends on the Easter vigil, uh, Holy Saturday. And it's a time where, just like Tommy and I did, but maybe in a more subtle way, to remove some of the distractions in life so that we're freed from those so we can give more attention to the things of God and the things of our hearts. Now, traditionally, that's prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, right? But the, the, the heart of it, the imagery is going into the desert. And it's such a beautiful place, the desert, because it's not a place of punishment, it's not a place of you're meant to starve. It's meant to be really hard. If you suffer enough, then you have a good Lent. That's not, God loves us. <laughs> um, what father's like, I'm really glad my daughter was suffering a lot today. Well, it's just not, this isn't how we glorify him. But it is meant to be a place of quieting down, simplifying, focusing. And as we do that, what comes to the surface is a lot of places in us that we've been distracted from. Places that the Lord wants to speak into, but above all, places that the Lord just wants to be with. So often I discovered I want to fix things. And the father's like, I just want to spend time with you. I don't want to fix you. I just want to spend time with you. I'm like, well, this part I don't like. So if we could just hurry up and fix this part. He's like, I, I don't see you as bad or a problem. I just want to be with you. And that intimacy is healing in and of itself. And so all of you can increase silence and solitude. As a family, can you watch less TV? When you drive, can you listen to no music and maybe just pray or talk? Um, can you have a, uh, a night of adoration? We're going to be adding some adoration times here at the parish. Can you come and do adoration during the day, even if it's just 15 minutes? Um, can you come to a daily mass and pray? Uh, can you walk in our metro parks in the springtime and just notice trees and nature blooming and growing? to become aware more and more of the things of creation that God actually made, namely yourself and other things. All of these ways are ways to tap back into the plan the Father has for us and allows us to celebrate Easter well.
And part of the wisdom of the church's tradition is knowing, and especially us in this community at this time of existence, we can just fill our days and fill our minds with so many things. So it's not just that, you know, cutting something out allows room for something else, but it's also in cutting something out, you can be real frustrated. Like if you put an internet blocker on, on and say like block these five news websites, which I had done before, you know, so I just can't go back and read them two, three times a day. It's like, well, I really want that. And that frustration is the point where we say, God, why do I feel this way? Like, what? why do I go to this thing to console myself or to feed some hunger? So taking whatever that experience is, whether you fail at it, whether it's really hard, you know, even if you fail at the thing, whatever it is, five days out of seven, there's still something God is trying to make known there. Yeah. So to not just let it be there and stay, but to say, take it to God and say, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, I think as a, the, well, I was going to say pastor here, but I'm still administrator one day. <laughs> um, write to the bishop, please. Anyway, so um, the, uh, I think the, the, the number one thing that at this time, I think everyone in the church needs to look at is technology use. So every era, they have the church ministers to the people and proclaims the gospel differently because everyone has different needs. But not only do we just have more technology than ever before, after two and a half years of an intense pandemic, I don't know what they call it still if we're in the pandemic, not, I don't know the words anymore, but whatever we're in now, it's not the same it was the last two and a half years. We were in front of screens constantly to get rid of the screens during Lent. Not totally, because we need them. I need them to answer emails and work. We need to do things. We all get it. But less, less screen time for Lent would be an amazing way for you just to rediscover, oh, I don't have to have reality filtered through pixels. I can actually just go on my back porch and read a book. I can just sit in silence for a couple minutes. I can do a part of a rosary. I could read some of the Bible. I could go to my neighbor's house who has needs and just say, what can I do for you? I could call a friend or a family member I haven't talked to in a while. There's ways of filling time up, right? That isn't a screen that would humanize your life. And anytime things get authentically human, it means it also gets authentically Christian because God became human in Jesus so that anything truly human would echo in the heart of Jesus. And so I think that'd be a great thing for all of us. Even if you watch this video, it's like a week into Lent, just to say, okay, one of the things is how do I limit the amount of screen time for me, my spouse, my family, my friends? It's very important for us to claim this back so technology doesn't rule over us. So we are not minimizing retreats. We both take them. They are important, but we shouldn't think that they're a magic bullet or think that that's the only time we grow in our faith. Don't you always hope they are, though? Like, this is the one that's going to fix everything. You do wish. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my silent retreat, one of the things that came back was, uh, like, the daily grind is, is all there is. And so I'm going to have to make, I mean, I haven't done the math, but I likely have to make the choice to love, like, a million more times in my life. Probably more. 
Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. do the math, but I mean, hopefully, I live a long time, God willing. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's not a million today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I like that point though because that's retreats have a romantic notion, right? But it's like, and it's like marriage. I mean, you do need date nights. You do need a trip once in a while together to just rekindle and just rediscover the perspective needed for the daily. Hey, you picking up the kids? I'll grab dinner. Like that, but it's the retreat is to enhance and to keep the right dispositions and perspective in the daily grind. All you have is daily grind. You're going to get burned out. If all you're doing is hoping for retreats, you're going to resent this, the mm-hmm. daily grind. So you need both. Uh, the daily grind is the school. That's yeah. like the, the ticket I've got in my vocation. Yeah. Like my ticket to heaven is the daily grind, wife, family, job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, Maybe one other thing to uh, we'll put up on the link underneath here is some links to different uh, places you could go and pray, even in the Diocese of Cleveland that you might not have thought of. So the Jesuit Retreat Center in Parma, there's the Poor Clare Monastery on Rocky River Drive, right in the near west side of Cleveland. They have a beautiful adoration chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, different places to make a little pilgrimage with their family. Hey, this Saturday, we're going to go to the Poor Clare, then out to breakfast. Or, you know, hey, let's get some friends together and go to the Jesuit Retreat center and go for a walk and pray in the woods and just have some time of silence together and then talk about it over a beer afterwards or something. So mm-hmm. ways to kind of see the whole beauty of the diocese as well. So do not squander this amazing opportunity of Lent. The church has this liturgical calendar in these different seasons for a reason, recognizing how we operate, how God made us to go through different phases and how we need to go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and how that sort of, it just helps. So. I'd say as a final thing, uh, Lent ends at the Easter vigil. uh, And it ends right at the place where the priest says, now that we have concluded our Lenten observances, that's when it ends because that's when it says it in the Roman Missal. That's when there's a big debate. When does Lent end? Yeah. It ends at the Easter Vigil right when everyone renews their baptismal promises. So the whole goal of Lent is to make you more and more who you already are in baptism, the beloved daughter and the beloved son of God. So it's meant to chisel away everything else that you could discover. I am a gift to the Father in heaven, and he asked me to make a gift of myself to everyone else. Well, thanks for sharing the insights, the insights from your retreat and uh, encouragement to really get uh, to make Lent matter. Thanks. <laughs> God bless. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.